Hello, you beautiful ladies. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Kathy Patrick. I'm Tim Patrick's wife. I'm also known as Mrs. Lucky. Kate and Jake's mom, Mara, Isla, Bear, James's Jimmy, Grandma, Nana. I'm Nick and Sarah's mother-in-law. And it's such an honor to have all of those identities. But my highest honor is to have my identity in Christ. I'm so thankful for that. It's made all the difference in the world. So first I just wanted to thank Kathy and the Women's Ministry for putting this all together, for all your hard work and dedication and your love for us. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate you. So let's pray. Lord, um, I just thank you for this privilege, Lord. I pray that you would go before me, that you would empty me out, Lord, that you would be preparing every heart to hear what they need to hear, Lord, that um, my experiences, Lord, would minister to every woman here, Lord, because it's ministered to me so much and changed my life dramatically. So, Lord, we love you, we trust you, and we pray in your great name. Amen. So, the last two months, we were blessed by Anita sharing about the importance of overcoming and how we overcome weakness with strength by standing firm in his word and worship and in the waiting and depending on that strength that is made perfect in our weakness. And Carissa shared about overcoming falsehood with truth. When we know what God's word says, we know what truth looks like. And we overcome evil with good, examining ourselves and learning to do the next right thing. So tonight, Kathy asked me to share about overcoming anxiety with peace and overcoming fear with faith. That's chapters five and six in our Overcomers book. So in the Overcomer book, Dr. Jeremiah touched on some of the ways we overcome anxiety with peace by putting on the shoes of peace, Ephesians 5.15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel. We have peace through Christ, Colossians 1.20. He reconciled all things to himself, having made peace through his blood on the cross. Peace beyond our understanding, Philippians 4.7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace through our thought processes, 2 Corinthians 10.5. Bring every thought captive unto the obedience of Christ. I always remember Joe saying, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. We need to um, pull down those strongholds daily, sometimes moment to moment. And then um, Philippians 4.8 reminds us to set our thoughts on those things that are true, honest, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and praiseworthy. And that takes practice and perseverance. Peace through prayer and committing everything to him. He's a God who hears and listens and answers. Philippians 4.6-7, be anxious for nothing but in everything, prayer and supplication and thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I use an acrostic, P-R-A-Y, praise, repent, ask, and yield. And I think that the yield part is one of the most important parts because we need to stop and listen for God's answer so that um, we can actually do what he asks us to do. Who are we following are there any mentors in our life? Where are you living? Are you living in the past, the present, the future? And do you recognize that peace can be found in surrender? 
It is found in forgiveness and reconciliation in our relationships and in our own past mistakes and failures. And then in chapter 6, Dr. Jeremiah wrote about overcoming fear with faith. I came across this definition of faith. I can't remember where, but I wrote it down. Faith, the art of holding on to the things your reason has once accepted in spite of your changing moods. We need to remain steadfast, immovable, and constant, firmly fixed in place regardless of our circumstances. That is so key. We need to make up our mind ahead of time before we're in the midst of that trouble. So to summarize this chapter about overcoming fear with faith, Dr. Jeremiah touched on the shield of faith, Ephesians 5.16, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. Faith is a journey, Romans 10.17. Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of God, continually seeking out the Lord. Faith is amazing, an amazing gift of God, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. That's amazing. Faith through teaching. How blessed are we to have such intelligent, wise, spirit-filled pastors to walk us through the scripture. Faith deepens through problems. Our greatest lessons are found in the valley when we are most dependent on him. Our faith grows through supportive people. We need to walk in unity. Ephesians 4, 2, 3, be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Try always to be led along together by the Spirit and so be at peace with each other. We need to have purpose, and we need to have a proper perspective. Ephesians 2, once we were far off, but now because of Jesus, we are brought close. The closer we walk with Jesus, the more perfect our perspective is. I have written in my Bible... Our foundation is most important. We need to be rooted and grounded in love and truth. And if you don't go deep, you can't go high. In that little overcomer booklet that we have, one of the prayers says, Lord, increase my faith, increase my capacity to believe you and act on that belief. We need to put our faith into action. When we do that, our faith deepens and our roots hold firmly And then the peace of Christ comes right alongside our faith. And before I move on any further, I thought it was really important to spend just a minute acknowledging that true clinical depression and anxiety can be debilitating and sometimes deadly. Yes, of course, we go to the scripture, and the scripture provides an abundance of healing balms to our soul. We go to the truth to get our footing back, continually finding our solid ground in the peace of Christ and our deep-rooted faith in who he is and what he's already done for us. First Peter 5, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Notice it doesn't say your timing. It says in due time, because God's timing is perfect timing. John 14, 27, peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not like the world. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. These scriptures are so powerful, and when we couple it with our time with him in prayer and seek his counsel, and in seeking his counsel, he will sometimes lead us to a human counselor or medication 
or supplements. So please don't ever feel like you can't reach out to someone to help you through. That's part of our job as the body of Christ, to come alongside each other, linking our shields of faith together to help protect each other. So please, if you're feeling really down, full of anxiety, you just can't seem to get your head above it all, reach out. Don't be afraid to reach out. We all need support and prayer and loving kindness. So I was thinking about all the Lord has walked me through, so much anxiety, so much fear. And as I went through the different scenarios in my mind, I marveled at the journey and how merciful and kind and patient the Lord has been with me. Starting out unsaved and then finding the Lord and how he drew me to himself is amazing to me. How he walked me through Timmy's six-year heroin addiction, single motherhood, financial stress, Timmy's heart attacks, open-heart surgery, and then this past two years of me battling breast cancer. Without the peace of Christ and gift of faith, how do we even try to survive these hard things in life? I can't imagine where I'd be without him today. Actually, if I look back, I can give you a little glimpse of how I handled anxiety and fear without his strength and stability. Page 81 talks about the company started by Sean Baker called Tantrums, LLC, a company where you can smash objects and let out all your anger and frustration. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's me. I remember having an argument with Timmy. I'm standing up on the landing. He's down in the living room. We're yelling at each other back and forth. And I reached up, saw this hanging plant, reached up, yanked it out of the wall, and flung it at his head with all my might. He ducked, smashed against the wall, and he came charging up those steps so fast, and he stopped about an inch from my face. And he said, have fun cleaning that up. And then he walked out. And I was like, shoo, I'm glad he had more self-control than I did. Another way I handled stress, getting through a hectic week and only looking forward to the weekend, getting the kids all settled in, making dinner, cracking open that bottle of wine. These are just a couple of examples of the world's way of dealing with stress and anxiety. I absolutely did not have my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Or did I have the shield of faith? I was completely unprepared in every way for what was coming. Long before I knew the Lord, long before I could say that Jesus was my direction, long before he gave me spiritual eyes to see, long before I even knew that I was walking in darkness, long before he was my warmth and my protection, long before he changed my thinking and allowed my countenance to be bright, long before I trusted him and felt safe in him, and before he changed my eternal destination, long before I learned to love him back through obedience to his word, he set my life on a course that I couldn't have imagined. I'm just going to share some of those things. So Tim and I were separated for about six years because of his heroin addiction. About 28 years ago, on a Christmas day, Timmy confessed that he was using drugs. I always knew that he played around with like perks and pills, but I really didn't understand how dangerous that really was. And ultimately, it led to heroin. 
So on that Christmas day, his friend Buddy came and took him away to detox and rehab. I still remember so clearly seeing the back of his head driving down the street. And my Kate, who was about six at the time, slipped past me in her little Christmas nightgown and her bare feet, running down the sidewalk, screaming for her daddy. And I remember thinking, this can't be my life. This is crazy. But it was our life. And it was the beginning of the Lord getting a hold of us, Tim, me, Kate, and Jake, all of us. So at the time, this was crushing and devastating and embarrassing. And um, I felt lost and hopeless and scared. But the fact of the matter was is that we were lost. And we were without hope. We just didn't know it. And God had set his plan in motion to get our attention. I remember Tim, after many relapses, sitting across the dining room table from me and telling Buddy how much he hated me. And I hated him right back. I think he was still mad that I tried to kill him with that plant. So then the process began. Detox, rehab, coming home, stealing, lying, fighting, crying. Detox, rehab, coming home, lying, fighting. You get the picture. So until finally I realized that the coming home part was just not working, so he went to a recovery house. And then that process began. Detox, rehab, recovery house. Detox, rehab, recovery house. You get it. It was a couple of years of this. But then God began moving. In one of the recovery houses, Tim ran into a backslidden Christian that invited him to Calvary, Philly. He went, and he knew me well enough to know that I was always searching, and he bugged and bugged me to come, and eventually I agreed. And I think by the third time I came to church, the Lord literally took the scales of blindness off my eyes. I felt them hit my face. And um, I began to understand scripture, and I wanted to get to know Jesus. And even though Timmy was going to church, he was still struggling with his addiction. He was still living in the recovery house. And at the same time, the Lord was showing me my sin, my anger, my bitterness, my discontent, my control issues. Even though Timmy's sin was out there for everyone to see, my sin was just an of, as big an offense to a holy and perfect God. I needed Jesus just as much as Timmy. Timmy had this big neon light over his sin, heroin addict. Mine was quiet, but um, the Lord saw it just as much. So I, I prayed day after day, year after year, that Tim would be a godly husband and a godly father and the spiritual leader of our home. Mind you, he was in and out of rehabs and recovery houses and living in his car at one point and eating from the dumpster of the Dunkin' Donuts. He likes his sugar. But for me, I prayed, Lord, show me me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. And you know what? There was plenty of wicked ways in me. God hears and listens and answers so much grace. Although salvation was enough through the years, and the Lord gave and gave and gave, I'd like to share just a few of the many personal faith stories because the Lord used these moments in my life to increase and strengthen my faith and relieve my anxieties. I was a stay-at-home mom when this all began. Kate was six in first grade. Jake was five, half-day kindergarten. And the financial stress was incredible. I needed to work 
and I needed something around my kid's schedule. So I prayed specifically for something where I didn't need to pay for childcare. I was driving in my car and I'm praying, Lord, I really need a job. I can't afford childcare. I really need to be with my kids. It's such a hard time for them right now. I really need you to step in here. So I look over and there's this huge sign on the fence outside of the Upper Moreland High School. Bus drivers needed paid training. I was like, what? Really, Lord, can I drive one of those big things? So I pulled in, and I've been driving a school bus for 27 years now. My kids were able to come with me on the bus. We had breakfast every morning on the bus together, and they were my last drop-off to school. The Lord had completely protected, protected me. And today, two of my grandkids are on my bus. I take them to school, too. So at Christmas time, I had exactly zero dollars to get my kids anything for Christmas. A couple weeks before Christmas, I climb into my freezing cold bus, and there was an envelope sitting on the, on the seat with $300 in it. There was a little note that said, love from the elves, but I knew it was from the Lord. He was increasing my faith and replacing my anxiety with peace. One summer, someone blessed us with tickets to Dorney Park. We stayed from morning until night. We came out into the parking lot to leave, and it was just starting to get dark. The parking lot was empty, except for maybe a few cars. It was pretty well lit. But we got into the car, and I saw these two men and a little boy approaching, and they signaled to wait. And um, they each went on either side of my car. They reached down by my front tires and pulled out broken glass bottles. Then they did the same thing for my back tires. They never said a word, they just kept walking. At first I was so confused, but then I realized they had saved us from having, being stranded with four flat tires. So of course I got out to thank them, but they, they were gone, gone, disappeared. The kids were asking, hey, where did they go? God had sent three angels to remove those bottles. You know, God knew to send that little boy because I didn't feel afraid with him there. I probably would have taken off and ran over those bottles and had four flat tires. So he protected us, and in that increased my faith and gave me peace. But my marriage was another story. I wanted out. But clearly God had another plan. I went to Norristown to get things filed, to get that whole process of divorce moving forward. I had, I had truly given up. But inside the building, there were locked doors to all the offices, empty receptionist desks. People just weren't where they were supposed to be. I was even in the wrong building at one point. Talk about the Lord literally closing doors. And I heard this clear message in my head, I'm not done with this yet. And I, out loud, said, oh, but I am. So everyone's looking at this crazy lady talking to herself, right? (laughs) And I realized I'm at a crossroads. God has spoken to me. I had a choice to make. I decided to listen, and I went home. Little did I know that there would be four more long years of this. In his wisdom, he withheld the time frame from me. He knows us so well. So in the meantime, people kept telling me, you know, you're young, move on with your life, Kath. You deserve better. So about a year later, in my doubt and anxiety and fear, I decided to talk to one of the pastors here at church. And I told him what people were saying, that I deserved better. 
And you know what? He laughed at me. And he said, don't you just love it when people tell you that you deserve better? You deserve hell. And you're not going there. I was so mad. And I thought to myself, I am never coming back to this stupid church. But you know what? The Lord has used that phrase every single day of my life since then. Whenever I started to feel sorry for myself or felt entitled to anything, I remembered Jesus' death on the cross. For me, that by God's grace, I had heaven. So every time Tim was doing good, I was doing good. When Tim was relapsing, I was a mess. I kept praying and seeking and knocking. Then he gave me another clear message, another clear faith-building message. Your well-being does not depend on what Timmy does. Your well-being depends on what I have already done for you. My faith and trust were being refined and built up. My roots were getting deeper, and I had peace. That helped me keep my eyes on the Lord, and he strengthened me. Psalm 138, in the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. Psalm 138.7, though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. I was learning to surrender. My prayer was, Lord, help me to relinquish my rights. I have two absolute favorite books. Why Should I Be the First to Change by Nancy Missler. I've given it out to many people. I think we're still friends. Um, It's a small, thin book, but it's a hard read because we do not surrender easily. I highly recommend it, but it's not for the faint of heart. Took me a while to read that little book, and I definitely slammed it shut a few times. My other absolute favorite is Hind's Feet on High Places. This book ministered to me so much. It's another book I like to give out. It's an, an analogy about a girl named Much Afraid and her journey to the high places, because I am much afraid. The Good Shepherd gave her two companions on her journey, sorrow and suffering. I know, right? On one, of the, on, on one part of her journey to the high places, she's climbing up this rocky mountainside, and she saw a little yellow flower poking up out of the crevice in the rock. There was just this little bit of water that was dripping into the crevice where she was growing. Much afraid, went and kneeled down by that little flower and asked her her name. And the little flower replied, I am acceptance with joy. He truly was teaching me to relinquish my rights. The Lord was dealing with both Timmy and I separately, and he needed both of us fully surrendered. We both had begun to grow and to heal. And there were positive changes that I began to notice in Timmy He was helping me financially. He was staying clean. He was spending time with the kids. He was always at church, and he seemed so different to me. So about six years from that first Christmas, I saw the back of his head in that car driving away to rehab. He called me from the recovery house he was staying in at the time, and he explained how horrible it was. He said, I can't read my Bible. They won't let me go to church. They wake me up in the middle of the night to do chores. I burned every bridge, Kath. I have nowhere to go. Can I come home for just one week? And I said no. That I couldn't do that to the kids. That I couldn't have them come home and then have them leave again. And he said, okay, I understand. 
and we hung up. So then I went and I talked to the kids, explained things to them, and at this point they were 12 and 11. And they both said, okay. And I remember Kate saying, Mom, I trust you and I trust the Lord. Whatever you decide is fine. And what a blessing was to see your own children's faith growing, you know, through those experiences. So I called him back and I told him he had one week. He was so happy. He came home. He put a suitcase in the hallway. And I saw this really different man before me. And I came home from work at the end of the week and I saw his bag by the door. And my heart sank. I said, so I guess you found another place. And he said, no, but from now on, I need to be a man of my word. I said, please stay. And you know what? He's been home ever since. The Lord knew I wouldn't have had the courage to just let him back. He had to show me that he had answered my prayer. He is the spiritual leader of our home. He is a godly husband, and he is a godly father. He has made beauty from ashes. I treasure this man today. We have learned to make allowances for each other's faults. We have learned to put the other one first. And, and Jesus is teaching us to love the way he does. So Tim has a history of heart issues. He's ha- he had his first heart attack on my, our son Jake's 16th birthday. So we got him to the hospital just in time, just, just in time for surgery. So <clears throat> they're wheeling him back on the gurney to have this surgery, and the nurse um, commented to me that it was such a good thing that I got, the, got him there as quickly as I did. And I'm, you know, walking alongside him, holding his hand, and I said, well, you know what, about five years ago, I would have stopped and had the oil changed and the tire pressure checked. Tim lifts his head up and just laughed. The poor nurse was mortified. It was a long way from sitting across the table from each other saying we hated each other. Again, only God can change a heart and mind, literally make a new creation. So years later, after getting through a couple more heart attacks, Timmy had to have open-heart surgery, and the Lord had shown me through many faith-building experiences, as Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. His past faithfulness deepened my faith and gave me roots that were able to hold me firm when the new trials came. He built me up so I could stand. I prayed, Lord, I really like this guy now. Can I have him a little longer? Selfishly, I wanted him here, but I had such peace knowing he was in this win-win situation. Successful surgery meant that we had more time with him. Our grandkids, our kids, their spouses wanted more time with him. There was still a lot of ministry left to do together. But if God chose to take him home this time, he'd be walking on streets of gold, face-to-face with his Savior. Win-win. Thank you, Lord, for this hope and peace only you can give. So Tim came through this surgery beautifully. He was up and walking and home in like three days. But right after surgery, he was determined not to take any narcotics for the pain. He wasn't afraid of a relapse. He just wanted to keep all that out of his system. But it got really, really bad. The pain was just off the charts. He couldn't take it anymore. He was ready to give up and just take something. And we all said, like, that's totally okay. Do what you have to do. We totally understand. But I kept getting this really strong message. 
Timmy always says, Jesus is enough, especially like on Monday night with the addictions ministry. And I just knew that the enemy would use it against him if he gave in. But anyway, the nurse came over and she said, Tim, please, let me give you something. Like, your, your pain will be gone. And um, he said, you know, not yet. Kath, put on worship music. Kate, read Psalm 22, 23, and 24. Jake, start praying. And then Timmy just started praying out loud, reminding God of his promises, that he wouldn't forsake him, that he is enough. All of a sudden, the nurse is like, you know what, let's just try to move your position. Let's try to get you in this chair. So um, they gingerly moved him to the chair, and his pain level went from off the charts down to a three. God answered, Jesus was enough. The next morning, the nurse came in and asked if she could talk to him, and she shut the door, and she pulled up a chair, and she told him, before the foundations of the earth, the Lord put you here for me. I have never seen faith in action like that before. The Lord has been calling me back to church. I have six kids. My husband won't go. It takes two hours to get them there. But after last night, I have renewed strength to keep going. God doesn't waste a thing. He uses it to overcome our fear with faith and our anxiety with peace. So when I got diagnosed with breast cancer, I had this surprising sense of calm. My initial reaction was, really, Lord? I thought we were good. We've been through so much together. My thoughts were things like, Lord, please don't let my family be stressed or upset by this. And Lord, I'm kind of a baby with medical stuff. When I have a headache, I'm cranky. So I said, Lord, help me to be brave and not mean and cranky through this journey. So we had friends over. They were visiting from South Carolina. And of course, I didn't want to tell them what was going on because I just hate to burden other people with my burdens. How many of us do that? We were waiting for the biopsy results, so I decided to just tell my friend Tony, but not the kids. Anyway, the kids were all outside painting on the deck. And Eden, one of her daughters, came in and knocked on my bedroom door, and she says, hey, Aunt Kathy, I made you something. And it was a painting, and it said, have courage and be kind. She had no idea that I had just prayed for exactly that. God was listening. And, and in this cancer journey, the Lord has supplied so much encouragement and support through scripture and the body of Christ. It was like they linked their shields of faith together, forming a protective barrier from all the fiery darts of the enemy. There wasn't a day that went by without a card or a text of encouragement, meals, warm slippers, blankets, one friend came and cleaned my house for me. Another one sent a cleaning service. I have never had anyone clean my house before. It was amazing. I was blessed with a special sweatshirt that had pockets to hold all of my many tubes from surgery. Two friends provided me with detox and massage to help with healing through chemo and radiation. The family of God had linked their shields of faith together and created a barrier of protection. I was so encouraged and so cared for. Your love and care and kindness makes a difference. Keep up the good work, church. 
I also went to the scripture. In John 14, 27, it says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Not like the world gives. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. John 16, 3. In me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, literally be cheerful. I have overcome the world. In 1 John 4.18, it says, There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. We were reminded when we are secure in our salvation and grounded in our faith, we don't have to succumb to fear and anxiety in our lives. The Lord used this scripture so mightily for me during an extremely painful procedure during my cancer treatment. As I was having this procedure done, the pain level became just absolutely unbearable to me. I laid on this table thinking, okay, Jesus, you are enough. I kept saying that. But as it got worse and worse, I felt like this is just way too much for me, and I felt anxiety and fear and panic really start to set in. I remember the doctor saying, hold on one more time. But she kept doing it like a million more times. So during these moments, I was praying and telling the Lord, this is too much. I'm scared. You said you wouldn't leave me or forsake me, and I really need you to step in here and make her stop. As I'm praying, I opened my eyes, and I saw the nurse who was holding my hand, her poor hand. Her eyes were closed, and her mouth was moving ever so slightly. And I knew in that instant that she was praying for me, The Lord had provided a sister to be by my side and pray for me. I was so overwhelmed. And then the scripture, perfect love casts out fear, kept running through my mind. I kept repeating it over and over. And I continued to feel this excruciating pain. And then in those moments as the nurse was praying and I was praying and I'm thinking about perfect love casts out fear, I started asking in my prayer, what's perfect love? What's perfect love? And then it hit me. You are Lord. You are perfect love. And in that instant, he transported me to the foot of the cross. I looked up at him, beaten, bloody, unrecognizable, separated from his father for the first time ever. And I've rested there with him. And I remember thanking him for doing that for me, for us, so that we never have to live in fear You know what? The pain remained, but there was no more fear. His perfect sacrifice was enough to see me through until the pain stopped and that machine had gone silent. He, perfect love, had cast out fear. He was enough. I was closer to the Lord than ever before. He had given me peace in the midst of my anxiety and deeper faith in the midst of my fear. I went through chemo treatment with a dear friend of mine. She was loving and kind and gentle. She possessed every fruit of the spirit, an absolutely amazing woman. I was getting better, but she was not. And she asked me, why you, Kathy, and not me? Meaning, why are you getting better? And I'm not. And I didn't have an answer. But I did have an answer about who God is. 
He is good and just and kind. He's king of kings and lord of lords, and powerful and omniscient. He's our healer and our glory and lifter of our heads. She has since gone home to be with the Lord. She's home. But I saw her husband about a month ago, and he told me, the lady said to me, I'm so sorry that you lost your wife. And he said, oh, she's not lost. I know exactly where she is. And I thought, that's faith in action. That's faith in action. So I'd like to end with this on page 87 in our Overcomer book. It says, the peace Jesus gives is not a promise to remove the pain and stress of daily living. Those troubles are inevitable, and they will not be removed from us until the Lord comes again. The peace he offers is a calm, unafraid, unruffled confidence that having placed our lives in his hands, all will be well. I'm going to read that part again. The peace he offers is a calm, unafraid, unruffled confidence that having placed our lives in his hands, all will be made well. Nothing can harm our innermost being. Nothing can shake us from the intimate connection we have established with the Lord of the universe through our saving faith in him. It is a peace that cannot be destroyed. So thank you all for your smiles and your nods. (laughs) That is an absolute encouragement to me. I love you girls.